Good morning. Our scripture passage for today comes from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8-11. through 11. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. I want to start uh, this morning by sharing an illustration from John Ortberg called The Porcupine's Dilemma. The North American common porcupine is a member of the rodent family and has around 30,000 quills attached to its body. And each quill can be driven into an enemy, and the enemy's body heat will cause these quills to expand and become more firmly embedded and the wounds affecting vital organs can actually be fatal. Uh, But porcupines don't always want to be alone. Uh, In late autumn, uh, young porcupines' thoughts turn to love, um, but fear and anger makes them dangerous little creatures to be around. And so this is the porcupine's dilemma. How do you get close without getting hurt? And in fact, this is also our dilemma too. And today we're talking about why community. Community starts in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And I'm telling you, it's amazing how everything goes back to the Garden. Actually, community starts before the Garden. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that God says, Let us make God in our image. Let us make man in our image. God exists in community. God is not isolated, but exists in relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, three in one. So this idea of community is central to who God is. God is not an isolated being, but exists in community. Gary Brashear says, God is a family who builds a family. God is a family who builds a family. God created us to be in family with other believers. If you remember Jesus saying in Matthew 12, Who is my mother and my brother? And he says, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. And so Jesus was saying, You can be Jewish and not in the family of God. But also you can be a Gentile and be in the family of God. And in those times, it was such a revolutionary idea. Like, what does this mean? That God has designed us to be in community with other followers of Jesus. And so therefore, community is non-optional for a disciple of Jesus. There are two big metaphors for disciples. That we are followers of Jesus or apprentices of Jesus. And we are brothers and sisters in a family. You can't be in a relationship with God the Father and not his family, which is the church. To use Pastor Mike's family as an example, uh, Joel can't be in relationship with dad, but not with Josiah or mom. Like, does that make sense? Because it's all wrapped up into one. And especially during COVID, we have more people content with consuming spirituality online without engaging in a community that knows you and you know them. And now a common attitude is, I'm a Christian for sure, but I don't need to be a part of a church community. 
Ronald Rollheiser says, Spirituality for a Christian can never be an individual quest. In other words, the pursuit of God outside of community, family, and church. The God of the Incarnation tells us that anyone who says he or she loves an invisible God in heaven and is unwilling to deal with a visible neighbor on earth is a liar since no one can love a God who cannot be seen if he or she cannot love a neighbor who can be seen. Hence, Christian spirituality is always as much about dealing with each other as it is about dealing with God. If you're an introvert like me, um, you'll want to go off to, to the beach or the mountains by yourself and, and read self-help books or write in a journal. But God designed us to experience transformation not isolated and alone, but through relationships and community. Community is the, is the context where we are transformed. A lot of uh, this content that I'm sharing with you comes from Pastor John Mark Comer, who models the kind of community Grace Life strives to be in. And I want to unpack it with you. And he defines community as intentional relationships around the way of Jesus. Intentional relationships around the way of Jesus. See, there's a gap between uh, ideal the ideal of community and the messy reality of community. And discipleship happens in the space between, between the ideal and the messy reality. And everything I present to you today is the ideal design that God has for you, but many times our reality is far more messier and furthest away from this ideal. Uh, Discipleship and transformation happens in the space, in the gap between the two. Now, if you've been attending church for a long time, you will have been asked to sign up for small groups at some point. Uh, maybe you've tried and been in different small groups in the past, and, and they didn't do much for you. Maybe it's been messy and disappointing because the people in your group were weird, or you just didn't click with them. Maybe people have even betrayed your trust and have hurt you. But what's interesting is that neuroscientists have discovered that when we are wounded in relationships, the way we heal is through relationships. Our deepest wounds come from relationship, and our greatest healing comes from relationships. That's why when after a breakup or a divorce and a, a person decides to, to put up a wall and say, I'm never going to get close to anybody again because I don't want to get hurt, they stay behind this wall and stay broken forever. Because relationships is where we find healing. This is not my opinion. This is the way of Jesus. And I know that many of us have experienced the reality of how a relationship uh, have has healed them after relationships have hurt them. I want to address the messy reality of community. Um, relationships are hard work. I mean, no doubt about it. We are broken Sinful people trying to love, and in in many cases trying to tolerate. Come on, somebody. We're broken, sinful people trying to tolerate broken, sinful people. And and that's so hard. Um, So we do what millennials do. We just unfriend you and bail. I don't like this, so click unfriended. Life groups have never stuck with many of us because we don't want to be in a group of people that makes us uncomfortable. We participated 
we participate in it with an attitude of, if it fits my schedule, then I'll do it. Instead, with the attitude, maybe God wants to strip me of my darkness and shape me through the fire and produce a beautiful reflection of Jesus that brings glory and honor to God. And this only happens in community. How's iron shaped and formed and malleable to how the silversmith wants it to be? It's in the fire. And yes, community is hard and can be painful at times, but it is in this furnace of fire where we are transformed to the to Christ likeness. Can a brother get an amen? The book Slow Church says, Spiritual formation occurs primarily in the context of community. People who stay, grow. People who leave, do not grow. It is a simple but profound biblical reality that we both grow and thrive together or we do not grow much at all. Community is hard work. Someone has, has said, sometimes the only way out is through that you have to go through the difficulties to experience the benefits of community. Community is also hard work because in order to experience transformation, your darkness or your shadow has to be confronted and exposed. Otherwise, you cannot heal or transform that darkness. So, you may be struggling with greed or bitterness or anger or dishonesty or impure thoughts, and it's all inside of you. But it wouldn't have a place for, for it to come out if you are alone or hidden from community. Because we all have blind spots. And community exposes you. But who wants to be exposed? People who attend recovery groups like Alcoholics Anonymous have experienced changed lives and sobriety because they were willing to expose their darkness to a community who loves them and supports them, not judges them or condemns them. Sadly, our relationships are shallow and not deep enough to experience God's transforming grace. I'm just keeping it real this morning. There isn't a group of people that know the real you. They don't understand you because they don't know you. And we're not able or willing to be vulnerable enough to let people into the depth of our soul. For many of us, the only thing that people know about us is the mask we put on to cover and protect who we really are and what we're really going through. We, what we present to people are our masks. I love you, mask. I'm here for you, mask. I support you, mask. I'll walk with you, mask. When people say we love you, what they're really saying is, we love your mask, because I don't know you, but I know your mask. The only way someone loves you well is if they know you well. The only way someone loves you fully is if they know you fully. How can God love us so fully? Because He knows us fully. All of our weaknesses, all of our garbage, all of our fears... He can love us because He knows us. Our love for one another can only cover how much we know of you. Scripture tells us love covers a multitude of sins. If we don't know your flaws, our love can't cover that. If we don't know your fears, our love can't cover that. If we don't know your insecurities, 
Our love can't cover that. But if we know you are afraid to fail, or you're scared out of your mind that people will think that you're incompetent, or that you're embarrassed that you've been struggling with depression, or that you miss your adult kids so much, if we know those things, our love can cover you. God knows those things. And His love covers you. His love embraces you. His love surrounds you. And His love cries with you. We want people to love us, but we are not willing to risk them knowing us. So instead, we put on our masks, and all the while our community says, I love your mask. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Only love gets close enough to know. Community is the people that see the uncurated version of you, not the Instagram version of you. Community is designed to be a space for God's grace. James 5.16 talks about confession in community, and we'll do a message on why confession uh, later, but it says, Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. So that you may be healed. You go to God for forgiveness you go to community for healing. Oh, let me say that again. You go to God for forgiveness, but you go to community for healing. So let me tell you, community, it takes commitment. And for some, we have yet to experience a transformational change through community because we've not been committed to our community. We engage in community On a surface level, we engage in community based on convenience instead of commitment. I mean, am I right? Even through the toughest times of our lives, do we forsake community because we want to deal with it on our own? Um, But it's during the toughest times that we need the community the most. And especially during COVID, we, we ache for belonging and community, but we want to keep our options open. We approach relationships as a consumer. Like, how how will this benefit me? What if there's something better? Am I going to be stuck with these difficult people? We can't have biblical community without commitment. We have to commit to a group of people that have annoying quirks, who carry some heavy burdens, that have different interests than we do, yet be willing to say, I'm in it with you. I'm in it with you. And so commitment is a stability that says, I'm staying with you through all of this. There's a prayer from a monastery that says, stability is a spiritual skill for staying put to get somewhere. It's a spiritual skill for staying put to get somewhere. And ultimately, there's no escape from oneself. And the idea that things will be better someplace else is usually an illusion. See, God made us to live life rooted, to be a builder of families, and he's inviting you to build community here. You may have noticed that we don't choose what family we're a part of, so we accept it and are committed to it. But have you ever wished you were part of a different family? I mean, the reality is you can't, so you can either accept your family or denounce them. Same with your church family. You can accept your family or denounce them. Unfortunately, we are quicker to think of denouncing our church family than accepting them. 
So when, when I say we have to be committed to community, what I'm saying is we're committing to a broken community with broken people. We're committing to put others before ourselves. We're committing to be patient with the person that maybe talks too much or is full of himself. See, we're, we're growing in patience in community, you know, and, that, and that's a good thing. And, and putting our, uh, others above ourselves is molding us into the image of Christ. And see, good things are already happening when you're in community. Because Jesus said, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And when we talk about our spiritual community being like a family, I can understand why you'd be reluctant to be a part of one. Because when we think of family, many of us grew up in a very dysfunctional family. So, of course, it, it makes sense on why we would be resistant in engaging in a new family. For some of us, our experience of family is an experience of tremendous pain and hurt, stress, annoyance, betrayal, maybe slander or lies. Some of them, some of these characteristics, maybe all of them. And your family of origin may have been a place where members uh, hurt your feelings offend you, disappointed you, disagreed with you, fought with you. Guess where the enemy attacks the hardest? It's the family. And he likes to attack also God's spiritual family. It's the place the enemy has waged war since Adam and Eve. But it's the family where God wants to bring the greatest healing and redemption. You may not be able to change your family of origin, but God may want to bring healing through your new family in Christ. If we fail to participate in God's invitation to live life a new way in a new family, we miss out on receiving the fullness of God's gift that he has for you. So you have to decide whether Jesus' way is better or our way is better. When it comes to this, you have to decide whether Jesus' way is better or our way is better. You know, people are leaving our church so that their kids can find this kind of community. Well, how about you? Some of you have joined our church in the hopes that your kids will find this kind of community. We want this so badly for our kids, and God so badly wants this for you. Not to just attend a building and sit through some crazy man screaming at you. Wait, do I scream at you? I don't know, just wanted to check in on that. But you may be hearing, I, I'm going to be disappointed again. I've been part of so many different small groups and, and they were disappointing. I've never had a good experience. Well, all of those thoughts and experiences may be true, uh, but you may not be hearing the other side. See, because what you went through, those are snapshots in time. And it's part of a bigger story. And instead of keeping that negative narrative, you have an opportunity now to rewrite that narrative and finish the story with God writing it instead of you writing it. You might find something in community that you were looking for the most. A group of people that love you, accept you, support you, walk with you, rejoice with you, mourn with you. And that will only happen if we, we love them and accept them and support them, walk with them, rejoice with them, mourn with them. But if you decide not to engage in community, your narrative will never change. One of the biggest deterrents uh, for people to join a small group community is, is the fear of being stuck with difficult, challenging people. 
I think of people who have children with a disability. Maybe it's autism, maybe it's an amputation, Down syndrome, or deformity, and or maybe it's their sibling with a disability. And the challenges growing up with a family member with a disability is at times overwhelming and beyond agonizing. But if you ask those same people, at least the ones that I've talked to, they would say that their disabled family is such a gift from God because they had to patiently and compassionately love Him and serve Him, understand Him, accept Him. And in turn, they are the most Christ-like people I've ever met because they know how to patiently and compassionately love people and serve people and understand people and accept people in their, in their weaknesses. So this is not new to them. In, in fact, it's familiar to them. And for others of us, this way of Jesus is not familiar yet. So you have to think the person in our life group that would re- represent a disabled person is, is the one who is hard to be patient with. And this is training for us to be more like Jesus. If you study family systems theory, which my wife and I love studying, you'll find out that the uh, objectively weakest member of the family, the one presenting the most challenges to the others, the one that requires the most patience from each member, is also the one that enriches the family the most. My son played on a a team where one of his teammates had a a little brother that had to get his leg amputated, and, um, and right now he's about eight years old or so. Um, and at such a young age, you can imagine the struggles it brings to him and his family members. But it brings tears to their eyes about talking about how proud they are of him, being a part of their family, and how much joy he brings to the family, how much adversity he's had to overcome each and every day, and that he's a fighter. And he ends up being the teacher, teaching the other family members what it means to persevere, to endure, to overcome, to have grit and resilience to have hope. These people are the ones that have such a depth and huge capacity to love because of these challenges that they experience every single day in their family. Have we ever said about the one in our life group that is the weakest link, that I'm so proud to be in this group and she enriches our group so much? Because once again, it's surrendering to the idea that God's way is better and it works. I think of the paralytic with four friends who carried him to Jesus. There are times where you are broken and weak and you need people to lift you up. Sometimes you're going to be one of the four friends carrying the one that is weak. And community allows you to take turns helping each other to get to the same destination, which is to the feet of Jesus. Come on, somebody. So, can you live without biblical community? Absolutely. But can you live in the fullness of God's love, grace, and strength? No way. No, literally, there is no way to do that outside of God's way. There's so many testimonies of people who never knew or experienced God's love, but because she was loved in her small group, she could trust that God loves her even greater than that. Do you see how this works? God was no longer an abstract theory, but God was real through her community. So let me close with this. I presume that most people would love for their child to go to Harvard. Most people would would love to work for Google. 
most people would love to get a free cooking lesson from Gordon Ramsay. But we know that going to Harvard doesn't guarantee success. But we know that working for Google doesn't guarantee success, right? But we know that getting a, a free lesson from Gordon Ramsay doesn't guarantee you'll be a good cook. And because there's no guarantee, would you decline an opportunity for your child to go to Harvard? Because there's no guarantee, would you decline to work for Google? Because there's no guarantee, would you decline free lessons from Gordon Ramsay? No, of course not. That'd be crazy. Yet, we decline free opportunities for transformation and growth. I cannot promise a life-changing experience in your small group, but I can promise that God is in it. And so I want to invite you to, to be a part of a small group community of four or five people whom you can experience transformation in the space between the ideal and the reality of our lives. And you can sign up uh, through our website or through the Church Center app. And so let's experience God's transformational grace in community together. Let's pray. Father, we know the enemy is uh, trying to uh, break up uh, this community and trying to destroy our, our, our community. Uh, Father, we just pray that together that we would be stronger in you, that we'd be able to experience your grace through um, all of the challenges that we face. Uh, Lord, would you create a space uh, for that? And Lord, we just ask God for your mercy. Um, help us to have the courage um, to... Uh, take off our masks and to be able to um, trust that that your love can overcome us, that we could experience that through our, our small group communities. Lord, so would you bless this new season uh, where we believe that you are going to do great things, where we believe that you have a plan for this season uh, in our lives, Lord. Father, we pray for healing and we pray for hope. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.